Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The film is called Joyland. It is the debut feature film of writer and director Saim Sadig. It's a stunning debut feature, explores the many sides of love and desire in a patriarchal society. It follows the gentle and timid Haydir, who lives with his wife Muntas and his father and elder brother with his family in Lahore, Pakistan. Following a long period of unemployment, Hadir finally lands a job in a Bollywood-style burlesque, telling his family that he is a theater manager when in fact he is a backup dancer for a captivating and strong-willed trans woman, Biba. It's a beautiful film, beautifully rendered, multi-layered story about love, sexuality, family, and so much more. And we're honored to have with us today the writer and director of Joyland, Saim Sadig. Saim, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate uh, your time. And this is just such a beautifully nuanced film. And as I mentioned, it is about so many important human endeavors, which is love, desire, family, and such. What was the inspiration for Joyland? I think the inspiration initially was really the idea to talk about desire. I think desire was the first thing and, and this the sort of stifling pressure that you feel all the time to kind of hide it from people, you know, and I started writing it when I was in New York, but I had like lived most of my life before that in Pakistan, that even when I was in New York, it was, it was, uh, there was something that was so indoctrinated and ingrained in my system with regard to uh, desire being a taboo, you know, uh, that even when I was in a city and amongst people who were, you know, way more open about it, if not entirely, because I don't know if anybody is ever entirely completely open about their desires. It, it, I, I still retain that sort of discomfort with the idea. And I think that was something that I needed to sort of, you know, resolve within myself and do some introspection uh, about. And, and that I think is where perhaps the film came from. The film is, as I mentioned, multi-layered. There's, there are, there are things that, as you just described, the idea of desire, and the idea that people are guarded about revealing those desires, revealing their, um, what is most important to them. And I think, in terms of the film and the filmmaking, I think for me, the idea that this multi-generational family lives in very close quarters and yet there is this kind of distance between them in this regard there are so many and i I love the way you get at it beautifully beginning of the film where we see the goat the what hater is going to have to deal with with that and how you begin to see you could you just see the the uh these relationships in, in these close quarters and how how um reticent people are to truly share who they are in the, in that circumstance is that a fair reading of of that that idea of them being in so such close quarters and yet being emotionally psychologically in many ways distant from what each other i think very much so of course i think the the fact that 
you know, the audience is, is I think in, the, in particular, the scene that you're talking about. And I think that's true for kind of the whole film to the very end, uh, you know, um, that we as an audience can completely tell that Heather is, what Heather is feeling, despite the fact that he doesn't say it. Uh, you know, we, we see his hesitance, we see his fear, we see his sort of, you know, discomfort with the idea of doing something that's expected of him with the goat. Uh, but the father is unable to see it, you know, who's, who's right there in, 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 in that courtyard with him, you know. And uh, so so for me, I th- and we do also see, you know, this kind of impulsive courage of his wife, you know, which again, the father is unable to see as that, you know, he, it's a, for him, it's something that makes him uncomfortable. So it's all of these things and, and, and the fact that, we as audiences are privy to them, but the the people in the in the actual room or the other characters are not privy to them, or are sometimes are, but also turning a blind eye to those those things because you know they're not willing to have a discussion about them. So even if they are, because they're not, none of them are like stupid in the film. You know, they're all pretty smart in general. Otherwise, so you know, the for me, it's, it's more about this unwillingness to talk about these things and this unwillingness to share what you're really thinking and feeling. Uh, because nobody's willing to have that discussion, uh, because it's an uncomfortable discussion to have. That's the beauty of film, is yeah. what, just, what you just described. We're able, as an, as the audience, as someone watching the film, to, it's such an illuminating component of film. And the way that it works in, in this regard, in this film, is it gives us a deepening uh, understanding of each one of these characters. And and also uh, an appreciation and a connection to them as well. While in some ways they may be distant, as the film went on, I became closer and closer to each one of these characters in in their um, desires, if you will, and in their motivations and, and all of the things that are constraining and liberate, liberating them at the same time. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's, that's nice to hear that. That it, that it connects with with people. I think that that's always really really special to hear. Uh, but yeah, and for, I mean, and it also kind of begs the question for me. I think the, the fact that you say that that's what's nice about cinema and movies is because you may think that if you're one of the people in the room, you will perhaps speak up, but you don't really know because when it comes to our families, you know, more often than not, we also choose to stay quiet. Uh, you know, way more often than not. I think that's that's true to all families that uh, yeah. that you know having a conversation. Eventually, you do have that conversation, but there. Before that, there are many times where you choose not to have that conversation, um, right. you know, until the time comes when you actually speak up. So in that sense, yeah, it's, it's, it, they're more, these characters are like way more like us than perhaps sometimes we choose to believe. And also oftentimes those circumstances when you finally have those discussions under are under the most fraught situation imaginable so that they become even more there's a lot of internal dynamics that happen in those situations as we see in the film uh in which people make decisions um or make us judgments uh that that are um, that have consequences um i will get into the the acting the acting is superb across the board but i also want to one one more thing about the film and the will the way that the film is told is and I think we're in some way talking about it already, and that is the lack of judgment about the characters. I I just so, uh, you know, oftentimes films that are dealing with controversial subjects, sexuality, all the kinds of things that you deal with in uh, in the film, there's often kind of a tipping of the hand of the director or, 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 or just the intent of the director. And I never felt that in any 
at any time in the film, I thought these characters played themselves out in so many ways that just deepened my appreciation of them. And I, I just, I don't even know if I have a question. I just want to commend you for your for the your ability to let these characters breathe in this film. Thank you. Thank you so much. That makes me quite happy because that was certainly <clears throat> one of the main intents behind the film, I think, and the way I wanted to make the film and the way all my collaborators on on you know on board wanted to make the film was because ultimately I think like you said you know films about gender and sexuality have this way of uh, unfortunately becoming sometimes a, a bit preachy and 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 that you know that that's okay on on some level that's not my taste but you know anybody can make the film that they want to make but the problem that we we forget is that you know inherently films like these and and most films are usually seen you know especially independent films are usually seen by people who are already kind of coming into the film with most of those people at least with that belief system that the film is trying to if it's a liberal belief system so you're kind of preaching to the choir and then you know praising yourself for you know saying something that's radical but it's really not radical for the audience that you're going to speak to or at least a vast majority of the audience you know so in in a way i think for if you you know that your film is actually going to reach out to an audience which is primarily going to be already liberal then the perhaps the the biggest responsibility that you have is even bigger than humanizing the trans character or the queer characters or the or the the women in the film is to actually humanize the patriarch yeah. is to humanize the person who's conservative because that's the person who you know that's the <clears throat> that's the disconnect that's the that's the discomfort that that uh you know uh can be bridged with the audience that you have and and with the movie that you're making uh with the liberal characters they already are coming in with with a lot of empathy attached already you know so yeah. i felt that for, for for a film that's about gender and sexuality the one thing that i didn't want to do was you know even villainize the patriarch in a certain way because i felt like if you walk away with the film and be like oh he's just a bad guy uh you know that that really kind of belies the whole point uh, of of what we're talking about which is patriarchy uh, right. and it's not something that is not affecting him of course it affects him as well he's part of the same system yeah and i think the character for me who embodies what you're describing is abba i thought abba right. is is the guy that you could point to you could have made much more of the kind of the bad guy in the film and I understand where he was com coming from. He is about family. He is about the things that matter to him. He's also about a system that has a patriarchal system. But I, I liked him. I, I didn't feel like you, like you tipped your hand, as I said earlier, on any of the any of these characters. I, I like Abba. Yeah, so. I mean, there, there, there is there is something to him that you know, and then you like him, and you, I hopefully like you know feel bad for him because he's a prisoner to the same system that he's trying to uphold when it comes down to him. Sort of having a relationship with this, you know, uh, neighbor lady. You know, even he doesn't allow himself. So he's actually a man of honor. He's not yes. a hypocrite in that sense. You know, he doesn't allow himself something that he uh, forbids his children from. He has to follow the same rule, and that's when you feel bad for him as well because it's a system that he's following and propagating, but he himself is suffering because of it as well. Absolutely. Just want to remind our listeners that we're talking with director and co-writer, and I want to acknowledge Maggie Brig. Is it? Yeah, Maggie Briggs. Maggie yeah. Yeah. As the co-writer of the film. That would be Saim Sadig. Joyland is opening here in Los Angeles. We'll be screening at the New Art Theater here in Los Angeles. As I always say when I talk about the New Art, right off the 405 freeway at Santa Monica Boulevard. You can't miss it. And uh, that'll begin on uh, April 21st. I love the actors in this. Ali, Ali Janejo, who was fantastic as Hadir. Another performance that I just was so drawn to was 
Basti Farouk, who plays the part of Muntas, uh, the uh, wife of Hedir, and Alina Khan, who plays the part of the trans woman Biba. Just every one of these performances was nuanced and powerful and drew you in to their situation and to their character's journey. No, I love, I mean, they're, they're all amazing actors. I think yeah. they were so, so giving and, 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 you know, they gave way more than what was like required of them on paper in a certain sense, you know, because they really dug deeper than they had to, you know, it wasn't like a project for them that they were getting paid for and they would come in and shoot the scene and leave, you know, they, it was something that they took home with them. You know, we would like go home and even after the shoot, we would just like have these long conversations up until like, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., you know, about the scene that we're shooting tomorrow and, you know, have discussions, sometimes fight about things, you know, and it was all because they really believed in what they were doing and, and, and you know, we uh, and, and the approach that they were all wanted to take. And, and I think the the amount of humanity that they gave to all of the, uh, these characters, you know, and then, of course, in particular, Mumtaz, uh, you know, Mumtaz's character, what Rasti did with that, you know, I think is, is, is just really, really, was really tricky on paper and she made it something that was just so human and believable and, 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 and really heartwarming. I, I, sh- I thought she was such a warm character. I thought I just, right. she, she was, she just, you know, through all of the tribulations and things that she's going through, not quite understanding all of the, all of the things that are happening in her life and why uh, I just, yeah. And they're all, I mean, I shouldn't even, you know, I feel like I'm singling her out. I'm really not. Alina Khan is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to, I, I, I know she started, she, she, this is your second project with you. Um, well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about like where she came from and how you decided you wanted to cast her in the film. So Alina was found by my casting director about like five, six days before the shoot of my short film. Uh, Darling, which was three years before, which was made three years before uh, we started working on Joyland, but I already had the script of Joyland and actually I was making the short film almost as a proof of concept. It was my thesis film while I was still in Columbia, I was in school. And I think it was kind of a long audition in a certain sense for uh, for her because there were no trans actors in the country, so we almost had to create one, uh, you know, and uh, we had to find somebody who had a spark and, and had the talent, you know, that was untapped, but also somebody who actually had the willingness to to put in that amount of effort uh, and do it because, uh, and, and the short film is easier, but like, you know, to, just to build a character that is worthy of a you know, a two hour film and sustain that character and layer it and, and you know, make it constantly believable in many different kinds of situations, uh, you know, is, is, is a very hard task. And, you yeah. know, I have to say that she was, uh, you know, she, she really worked because she had, she came from no privilege at all. She comes from a very low socioeconomic background. You know, she was, she ran away from her family when she was, uh, I think, 13 or 14, uh, you know, to be able to sort of, you know, live as a self uh, and, and made a life for herself, you know, on her own. And she was a dancer stay uh, like she used to dance at private events and stuff and and from for, for a girl like that who'd had a life that was so difficult and tough to really just you know uh, uh take the time out and 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 and, and you know uh, tap so deep into all the talent that she had but was never really explored you know it was just such a wonderful and beautiful thing to watch to see her flourish and and to to see her learn from the other actors you know who came from theater backgrounds or who came from television backgrounds etc yeah. uh you know and and develop her own, her own process through the making of the film in the workshops and you know in in, in the production phase uh, was really just like you know it was it was, it was beautiful uh, to watch and uh, the, like the making of a real actor, yes. uh, you know, yeah, fantastic. So that, that, that was like one of the nicest film things about yeah. the making of the film. Like, 
one last thing. Um, you have done all of the you've done all the jobs in order to to move uh, into the world of uh, feature film. You've been a, a cinematographer, editor, writer, mm-hmm. now director. Going from making that jump from from the short films to the the feature, besides the what you would expect to be the big challenges of raising money, getting all the all the stuff. But in terms of your artistic outlook on making a film, that that jump from from uh, short films to into the feature what was the biggest challenge i think uh, creatively it was it was actually the, the the challenge was not creative for me in in a certain sense because the film had been brewing inside me and i had this you know i've been writing the script and you know like the, there were 17 drafts of the script what we shot was draft number 17 so and I, like you know there was 16 before that in the past 7 years so i was really ready to creatively to make the film i was really excited and you know to be on set to work with the actors to you know to make a shot and even if it fails to find a different shot you know those were all challenges and and, and problems that were you know one had dreamt about for so long that they were such good problems to have when they appeared on set you know because i was like i'm lucky to have a to to to, to be on a set that i'd be like this is my set i'm the director of the set and i'm <laughs> making the film that i want to make so that was actually quite uh you know i one doesn't i i don't want to complain about any of those things because i'm like that's you know it's it's the dream in a certain sense to have those problems because you have i bet you have those problems even when you're making top gun you know sometimes the shot doesn't yes. work and you change the shot but for me i think stamina is something that was the biggest jump in a certain sense because to be able to sustain your energies for you know like two and a half three months of pre-production and then you know a 40-day shoot and then you know right after that we went straight into post-production and then you know there was four uh about four months of editing and then a month and a half of sound and color just every day waking up and and you know not getting enough sleep and having that time especially during the shoot because short films are shot in three days four days five days max but but this was a 40-day shoot and you have to come on set every day be inspired enough to be able to inspire other people and you know have a have a take on things and and, and you know have a functioning brain and system and to you know just managing yourself in that in that way you know you know to stay healthy to not get sick to really eat enough to sleep enough somehow uh, even though you don't have the time to make the time to do all of those things uh, and yet be excited and, and, and creatively fertile every day on set on day number 30 and 40 uh, is, is something that was, uh, again, wasn't like a challenge that I was complaining about ever and I would never because again, it was exciting, but it does take a lot out of your system. You know, you really find out what you're made of when you're making the first film because it's it's almost like uh, you know a, a, it's the long war in a certain yeah. way you know it's 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 not a quick thing well well congratulations on joyland thank you uh, for the so film. much um just for one last reminder it's opening here in los angeles on april 21st at the landmark new art theater and uh, multiple award winner including the spirit award Rest International Film and so much more. There's so many other awards it's won. My congratulations to you. All the best. Uh, look forward to conversation down the line with your next project. Uh, it's been it's been an honor to have you on the program. Saim Sadiq, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Mike. Pleasure's all mine. Yeah. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music